Hello, everyone, and a very pleasant good afternoon or evening to you, wherever you may be listening to this episode. I'm Ben Charles, and this is Life's Opening Radio Rope Break Roundup number 14. Yes, I have not been reviewing any kind of wrestling content over the past uh, month or so. The roundups was uh, on a hiatus, but I've decided to extend the hiatus a little bit longer. But now we are finally back. And roundup number 14 shall commence. I shall review every show except AEW Winter is Coming, which we have already have done here on Life's Own Radio Rope Break. This is obviously an extra episode for all of you here today. We're going to review every episode of SmackDown and Raw and AEW all in succession in the month of December. We will begin with the December 1st, 2023 edition of Friday Night Smackdown coming from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. I will review every show uh, from here on out. Michael Cole, Kevin Patrick, who has been fucking awful on commentary. I'm already dropping an F-bomb. We're not even half into this show. Uh, Kevin Patrick, Michael Cole, and Corey Graves on commentary. Bianca Belair comes out. She cuts a promo. She says it was cool to be in Brooklyn. She gets a cheap pop. Bianca Belair says that her team did what did need to be done against Damage Control at Survivor Series. Becky uh, Becky Lynch gets mentioned as well. Uh, she also talks about Charlotte Flair and Shotzi Blackheart, who was in War Games. Uh, Bianca says she is still coming for Damage Control and EO Sky. And speaking of EO Sky, EO Sky comes out with all of Damage Control except Bailey. Um, Dakota Kai spoke for the group, saying it was great how Bianca could get these people to cheer for her. Dakota Kai said that Eosky smelled that it smelled in Brooklyn and wonder who wanted to live in Brooklyn. So they're basically uh, crapping all over Brooklyn at this rate. Um, anyway, um, Bianca goes after Bianca goes after Damage Control. Bianca Belair went after Eosky. The ring was cleared. Uh, Eosky and Bianca Belair hit a spinebuster on Eosky. No Bailey in sight, and that was the opening segment of december 1st 2023 for smackdown uh the next week after that was wwe tribute to the troops which i will get to in just a little bit we're gonna go to that in a little bit bobby lashley versus butch bobby lashley did get cheered even though bobby lashley is technically supposed to be a heel but bobby lashley battles butch with Mont- uh montez Ford and angelo dawkins on the outside uh cheering on bobby lashley so bobby lashley versus butch aka pete dunn who should have his fucking name back uh this match was actually pretty good uh for what it was it went eight minutes uh bobby lashley beat up butch for a bit he had a spine buster lashley went for a spear but butch countered and then butch hit two insiguris and then he hit a double foot stomp to the left arm of bobby lashley and then butch hit a neck breaker on lashley but lashley gets back up and he has a power slam for a two count Butch then slaps Bobby Lashley for no reason, so he already looks like a fucking geek. Lashley has a clothesline. Butch uh, counters out of a um, gorilla press. And then Butch gets out of the move. Lashley then spears the shit out of Butch. One, two, three. Bobby Lashley beats Butch in eight and a half minutes. I gave this match a six. Logic, I give it a one because Butch did not need to lose this match. Also, Bobby Lashley was going to win this match anyway, so it was already kind of predictable anyway. So, there you go. Um, I don't know what's going on with Butch. I do I know they need to change his goddamn name. I know that. I don't know what the fuck they doing with Butch. Seriously, my goodness. Butch already 
is being Butch already got turned on by Rich Holland last week on SmackDown on the November the um hold on 20 25th of SmackDown that's that's correct okay anyway um Butch has been getting the short end of the stick as of late like seriously I don't know what's going on with Butch Butch is losing matches like all of a sudden Pete Dunne is a jobber now what's going on what's going on here seriously I want to know Paul Heyman in the office of Nick Aldis uh they cut a Heyman and Nick Aldis have a conversation Paul Heyman asks Nick Aldis if he invited Randy Orton to Smackdown tonight and Nick Aldis confirms that he did so we're gonna figure out if Randy Orton signs to Smackdown or not and well he'll do that in the main event segment uh so there you go uh butch gets beaten up by pretty deadly backstage no one gives a shit santos escobar interviewed by kathy kelly backstage even though kathy kelly is technically a raw interviewer but she got moved to smackdown there you go um they cut a video package of santos escobar recent heel recent heel run which has been excellent and the best thing about smackdown overall because smackdown has been fucking dry as of late fucking atrocious smackdowns as of late but i digress uh uh, santos escobar cuts a promo he's going to he talked about joaquin wilde who he faced on this show and he uh basically you know says that joaquin wilde was not loyal to him and that he's going to put joaquin wilde on the shelf now so santos escobar is trying as much as he can to distance himself from the lwo as humanly possible and i don't blame him Walking, walking Wild versus Santos Escobar. This match went three and a half minutes, no rating. Walking Wild got beat up like a fucking buffoon. Santos Escobar beat his ass for minutes at a time. Santos Escobar hits the Phantom Driver. One, two, three. This match is getting a no rating, and I like both men, Santos Escobar and Dragon Dragon Lee, and I like Walking Wild as well. But Santos Escobar did not need to be Walking Wild in under three and a half fucking minutes. No rating for this shit absolutely not no fucking ridiculous dragon lee um faces off with santos he beats up santos and um he stands tall over santos escobar and then they fought at um tribute to the troops the next week so there you go nick otis backstage with logan paul logan paul cuts a promo i'm not going over the entire promo because no one gives a shit about logan paul Kevin Owens makes his way down to the ring. Um, Logan talked about he was being Logan Paul talked about being in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Kevin Owens says that he is an unbearable jackass. That's a quote. I'm not making that up. So Grayson Waller and Austin Theory come out. They beat up um, Kevin Owens, basically. No, excuse me. Kevin Owens beat up Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. Owens and stare Kevin Owens and stare down with Logan Paul, and that was it. Kevin Owens then had a match with Grayson Waller, which I will now review. Kevin Owens versus Grayson Waller. Uh, this match was fine. Um, I feel like Grayson Waller didn't really do a lot for me in this match. He could have been, uh, he could have had a little bit more offense, but other than that, uh, yeah, this was fine. It was fine. Um, Kevin Owens rolls up Grayson Waller after 11 minutes. I didn't even review the match. Um, it was that really irrelevant. It doesn't really do anything for me. 
So, yeah, we already know Kevin Owens is facing Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble. We already knew that just from this show alone anyway, to be fair. So, there you go. Kevin Owens beats Grayson Waller, 11 minutes. I gave that match a six and a half. Logic, I'll give it a one. And that's the best I will give for that match. Uh, there's a video package showing CM Punk drawing 95 million views and counting all across all social media platforms, which is pretty good to say the least. We're now going to go into another match, which was actually the main event of the show. Bianca Belair versus Kyrie Sane of Damage Control. Bianca Belair brought out to the ring with Charlotte Flair and Shotzi Blackheart. And Kyrie Sane with all the damage control. And now Bailey wants to show up, even though she did not show up in the opening segment of this goddamn show. And this was the main event of the show, obviously. By the way, no Roman Reigns on this show at all. But Roman Reigns was called by Paul Heyman earlier on. Bianca Belair versus Kyrie Sane. This match was fine. This went 10 minutes. Um, Bianca Belair. She got some offense on Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane beat up Bianca for a little bit. Damage Control got involved. Charlotte Flair got involved before she got hurt. Shotzi Blackheart got involved. Uh, complete waste of time this main event was. Not saying this match was bad, but we did not need all of these other women, you know, being like interfering in the match. And then all of a sudden their interference spot does not work at all. We do not need that on SmackDown. Cut it out. I don't know what the hell Triple H is booking in this women's division, but it's fucking miserable. And I put this in the best way possible. And I like Triple H as a person. But booking-wise, this shit is fucking awful. Women's women's division-wise, this shit sucks. There's no there is no way Triple H can sleep at night knowing that Kyrie Sane just came back and she has been losing as of late. Has Kyrie Sane won a match since she's come back? Fuck no. And that is sad. Imagine going from having a great match with Mercedes Monet to this. Uh, yeah, that that's just sad. Very sad. Except that tag team match, like, what, two weeks ago on SmackDown? Jesus fucking Christ. Bianca Belair beat Kyrie Sane. Ten and a half minutes. Uh, this match is getting a five. Logic, probably a zero. Kyrie Sane did not need to lose. She just came back. And also, the match was actually decent, but... Bianca Belair was going to win either way, so there you go. Wrestling 5, Logic 0. Uh, main event segment. Roman, no, excuse me. No Roman Reigns on the show. Randy Orton, contract signing. Adam Pearce, the Raw GM, comes out, and Nick Aldis comes out. So Randy Orton comes out. He pretty much cuts a promo. He talks about the bloodline. The bloodline been putting him out for all this time, and he says that... He has been waiting 18 months for Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. So, uh, you know, the Bloodline, they're going to, you know, going to fight with Randy Orton now. So there you go. Um, Randy Orton then gets interrupted by Jimmy Uso and Solo. Um, Jimmy Uso and Solo, they try to attack Randy Orton. And actually, they did attack Randy Orton. Uh, Randy Orton holds them off. L.A. Knight comes out. L.A. Knight holds off the bloodline and um, stuff like that. So with that taken care of, Randy Orton does some RKOs to both members of the bloodline. And then Randy Orton, in his typical Randy Orton way, 
Randy Orton signs the SmackDown contract, and I already knew he was signing a SmackDown contract because he wants Roman Reigns more than anyone else in the whole world right now. So Randy Orton signed the contract to SmackDown, but as he signs the contract, he then RKO's Nick Aldis. Mmm. He, he, he did. I mean, listen. I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, Randy Orton did get fined for RKO Nick Aldis. He did get fined for that. But the thing is, what was the whole point of that? He did not need to RKO Nick Aldis. He did not need to hurt Nick Aldis and stuff like that. And he didn't, he didn't need to do that. I don't know what was that. I don't know what was going on. Like, I still don't know what's going on. I mean, I know Randy Orton got fined for it, but other than that, I did not see a reason why this needed needed to be on the show. Well, anyway, um, Paul Heyman did Paul Heyman did come out. By the way, I forgot to mention Paul Heyman did come out, but then you know the bloodline basically came out. So there you go. Anyway, um, Randy Orton's a SmackDown superstar, and that's how the show goes off the air. I'm not mentioning what Randy Orton told Paul Heyman because obviously it's a sus moment. We're now going to go right now into Monday Night Raw, December 4th, 2023. Coming to you live, if this thing can load up here in just a second. Uh, SmackDown for December 1st, 2023 was pretty decent. Uh, not much to write home about, but other than that, eh, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, if I can load this up here, December 4th. 2023 of Monday Night Raw, which comes which came to you live from the MVP Arena in Albany, New York. Monday Night Raw number 1,593 for Monday Night Raw in Albany, New York. You guys know how I feel about Albany, New York. Worst crowd of all time, Albany, New York. Horrendous crowd for this show. Oh my goodness, they died a thousand deaths, and I mean this figuratively, of course. Jesus Christ. December 4th, 2023 of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Sami Zayn cut a promo. No, excuse me. Sami Zayn came out for his match against Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre cut a promo. He was explaining um, why he hates Seth Rollins and why he is starting to hate everyone else in the back. Drew McIntyre cut a actually a very good promo on this show. And uh, Drew McIntyre is full-fledged heel now, so we don't have to worry about where Drew McIntyre stands. So Sami Zayn interrupts Drew McIntyre. Sami Zayn says he's had enough of Drew McIntyre. Sami Zayn basically... Challenges Drew McIntyre to a match. Drew McIntyre accepts. They have a match. And it was the best thing on the entire show except the main event. Drew McIntyre versus Sami Zayn. This match went 20 minutes. It was excellent. I did not go over the rest of the match necessarily because you guys know how I feel about good matches. I just like to watch them first and then I like to take notes about it afterwards, you know, like re-watching it and stuff like that. So anyway, Drew McIntyre beats Sami Zayn. Clean as a whistle. One, two, three. And then Drew McIntyre attacks Sami Zayn after the match, um, beating up Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn then does get hurt by Drew McIntyre after the match. And um, there you go. Pretty much, uh, you know, Sami Zayn's going to be out for a little bit because of Drew McIntyre. So Drew McIntyre is, you know, finally coming into his own as a heel, which I appreciate. Finally, we're getting something out of Drew McIntyre, which normally we would have never had to fucking begin with anyway. Anyway, uh, Drew McIntyre beat Sami Zayn. There was a couple of promos. 
There was a couple of promos from Imperium. We heard from uh, Guther on the show talking about Imperium. Uh, he basically threatened Imperium to win their match against DIY tonight. So there you go. Um, our next match was Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler. Um, I, oh man, how can I, how can I put it in a way? Oh man, this match. Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler. This went 12 minutes. Look, Shayna Baszler had some offense on Nia Jax. I cannot take away Shayna Baszler. But not even Shayna Baszler can wrestle a good match with Nia Jax. I mean, to be honest, to be fair with all of you, Nia Jax couldn't wrestle her way out of a fucking cereal box, for fuck's sakes. I mean, seriously, Nia Jax is the worst wrestler in this entire women's division. And I mean this wholeheartedly. There is no way that people do not sleep at night. There's no way that people can sleep at night knowing that Nia Jax is that bad in the ring. There is no way. It's unfathomable how people think Nia Jax is actually now improving. Nia Jax improving? Her wrestling? <laughs> Good Lord have mercy. You people are absolutely ridiculous. No rating for this goddamn match. Shayna Baszler lost clean as whistle to Nia Jax. No rating. 12 minutes too long. No rating. Ridiculous. DIY, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano versus Impidium. Two out of three tag team match. This was actually the third best thing on the entire show. It was awesome. Um, Impidium got the first fall because of Johnny Gargano making a mistake. So DIY, they have to come back. And they get a fall after a couple of minutes. Tommaso Ciampa beats up Giovanni Vinci and Kaiser. Gargano does his thing. He beats up everybody as well. And then they... They do their finisher, meeting in the middle to Ludwig Kaiser, Tommaso Ciampa, and Johnny Gargano beat Impidium, clean as a whistle, in a great match on this show. A very underrated match on this show. And um, DIY gets the win. Do DIY need to win more matches? Yes. Do they need to be more uh, showcased on Monday Night Raw? I would say yes. But other than that, um, I don't know why DIY has been losing matches as of late, so I don't know. Anyway, I gave that match a 7. Logic, I gave it a 4. And that was the best uh, rating I can give for the match. It was a great match, to say the least. Our next match, uh, Chelsea Green and Piper Niven joined commentary for this next match between Katana Chance and Caden Carter versus Natalia and Tegan Knox. They're known as a team that I don't really give a damn about. This match went four and a half minutes. Uh, this was fine. Katana Chance and Kane Carter was going to win anyway. Natalia's been, Natalia is right now at jobber status at this rate. There's no way Natalia should not be retiring at this rate. She needs to be retired by 2025. There should be no reason why she should not retire. No way. Because this is ridiculous. She's been losing every match. Every match. What's going on with Natalia, guys? Like, seriously, I want to know. There's no way Natalia should be losing. And I feel bad for Tegan Knox. I know Tegan Knox is trying to learn under Natalia and all that, but you're not going to learn under Natalia if y'all going to be losing every damn week. So letting y'all know. Anyway, uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter versus Natalia and Tegan Knox. I gave it a five. Logic, zero. There you go. 
Our next match was the Creed Brothers, Julius Creed and Brutus Creed from NXT. They get they did get called up uh, the week before Survivor Series, so they did get called up. Uh, the Creed Brothers with Ivy Nile versus The Judgment Day, Dominic Mysterio, and JD Madonna. JD Madonna is already looking like a fucking buffoon. Oh, by the way, Dominic Mysterio still employed, and um, The Judgment Day lose to the Creed Brothers on this show. Why? I don't know. I mean, I understand, you know, they're, they're trying to push the Creed Brothers, which is cool. Don't get me wrong, but once again, the Judgment Day did not need to lose this match. Dominic Mysterio did not need to necessarily lose this match. And normally, I hate Dominic Mysterio. I, I don't like Dominic Mysterio. I don't like him even professionally. I don't even like him like that. I don't. The thing is, he just did not need to lose this match. These guys just got called up two weeks ago before, like, this show. So, what was the whole point of this match if Dominic Mysterio was going to lose? I mean, JD Madonna got thrown off a steel cage at War Games. He got RKO to oblivion by Randy Orton. I thought JD Madonna broke his fucking neck at War Games. Instead, he's still wrestling. Does anyone even care about JD Madonna right now? Figuratively speaking, does anyone care about JD Madonna right now? I genuinely want to know. Unbelievable. I gave this match a 6. Logic, I gave it a 1. That's the best I can give for this match. Other than that, nonsense. Anyway, Seth Rollins, uh, earlier on, Seth Rollins did cut a promo. Seth Rollins says that he wants Jey Uso in a match for the World Heavyweight Championship. And Jey Uso accepts his challenge. So, basically, Seth Rollins wanted Jey Uso in a match. And we get it in the main event of the show. Seth Rollins versus Jey Uso for the World Heavyweight Championship. And this match was the best thing on the entire show. This was a very good match between the two men. But it was shrouded in nonsense. The Judgment Day came out. Cody Rhodes came out afterwards. And all that other stuff. So, basically, uh, it was a... Angle within an angle, basically. So Seth Rollins beats Jey Uso. Seth Rollins is not losing the belt before WrestleMania. You guys know the deal. Now that he's involved with CM Punk now. So there you go. Uh, Seth Rollins hit the... What'd he do? What'd he, he did... He, Seth Rollins did a pedigree at one point. That was That's true. He did do a pedigree. And he also did the stomp to Jey Uso for the win. Basically, Seth Rollins beats Jey Uso. I gave that match an 8. Logic, I gave it a 4. That's the best I can give for this match. Honestly, Jey Uso was not going to win the world title. And um, they're capitalizing on Jey Uso becoming a singles guy now, which is uh, not something I'm interested in whatsoever. But anyway, that was the December 4th edition of Monday Night Raw. And we're now going to immediately now move on into AEW Dynamite, December 6, 2023, from the Bell Centre in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, the main event of the show was Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland for the TNT Championship. The Continental Classic with their uh, fake G1 Climax tournament going on for AEW, basically. So the Continental Classic is basically the G1, except it's six guys, not 25 other men. Basically, you guys get the idea. Our first match on this show was John Moxley versus Roosh. Uh, at that point, John Moxley had six points in the Continental Classic. Uh, three points, by the way. Three points is if you win the match by pinfall or submission. Um, one point is a draw, and zero points is a loss. 
Um, the rules for the Continental Classic matches are simple. Uh, no interference. If anyone interferes, they will get suspended or fired necessarily. And there is a 30-minute time limit for these matches as well. So there you go. That's basically the rules of the Continental Classic. John Moxley versus Roosh. Uh, John Moxley beat up Roosh for a while. Roosh tosses John Moxley over the barricade. They were fighting by the fans. Referee didn't even count. Your referee for this match was Bryce fucking Remsburg. Bryce Remsburg sucks. Worst referee of 2023. And we're not even at the awards yet. Seriously. Bryce Remsburg, get off my fucking television. Expeditiously. Holy shit. Are you this bad as a referee? You, there is no way this match should have not been a count out. There is no way. They were outside the ring for fucking 20 seconds at a time. The fuck was this Bryce Remsburg? Get off television. You and Paul Turner, get the hell out of here. Anyway, uh, Roosh beats up John Moxley for a bit. They go to uh, picture in picture. Uh, after commercial break, Roosh delivers some kicks. Moxley comes back with a DDT. Uh, Roosh hit a knee to John Moxley's ribs, but Moxley... Um, counters it into a, he, he, he tried to hit, he hit him with a clothesline, but Roosh didn't go down, but then Roosh comes back with a power driver for a two count, not the finish, uh, Roosh hit a superplex to John Moxley for a two count, John Moxley sent Roosh to the outside, Moxley hit a suicide dive, both guys were down on the floor, referee then counted, this fucking referee actually did count, and then they got back in the ring and counted nine, they chopped each other for a bit, John Moxley had a clothesline. Roosh comes back with a discus forearm. Roosh charged at Moxley. But Moxley comes back with more forearms. Roosh then charges at Moxley by the turnbuckle. But Moxley comes out of the turnbuckle with a lariat. Then he hits the Death Rider DDT. Then he applies the Bulldog Choke while wrapping his legs around Roosh. The referee then called for the bell saying Roosh was out even though Roosh actually got right up after the bell. I don't know what the hell was going on there. Apparently, Roosh was no-selling the uh, Bulldog Choke, I suppose, because he got right up after the bell for some reason, which was ridiculous. I don't know. How in the world can I even give this any kind of rating whatsoever? The referees in AEW have got to be the worst referees in all of professional wrestling. There is no way in the right state of mind that you cannot sit up here and say, that AEW's referees are this bad. There are actually like two or three good referees. And that is Mike Posey, Stefan Smith, and this other dude, this bald, light-skinned guy with a beard. I don't even know his fucking name. But at the end of the day, those are three of the best referees right now in AEW. There is no questions asked. No questions asked. Seriously, I don't even put Aubrey Edwards in that conversation. I don't. She's been getting... On my last goddamn nerves as of late, too. Now, I don't know what the fuck's going on with these fucking referees in AEW. What is going on? There's no consistency. Paul Turner's already a fucking goon. He fucking cost Swerve Strickland the Continental Classic by himself. What a fucking moron. Unbelievable. John Moxley versus Roosh. I gave this match a 7. Logic, I gave it a 1. Roosh did not need to lose. And at that point, Roosh was 1-2, but he did not need to lose that match against Moxley. He didn't, he didn't need to lose. We're already making Roosh, like, less strong already. Ridiculous. Don't do that. Why are we doing that? 
Anyway, Jay White and Jay Lethal, they talk about, uh, Jay White cut a promo. He mentioned looking up to Jay Lethal in the past in Ring of Honor. And um, Jay White says that he has always thought Jay Lethal was a great wrestler, but he is not a better wrestler than Switchblade Jay White. You guys get the idea. Seriously, Jay White has been get off my fucking television for the last fucking three months. Three months this man has been fucking god-awful character-wise. Wrestling-wise, he's okay. Character-wise, he's horrendous. Horrendous. Running around with the AEW world title. Being around those fucking goons, the guns, who have not been on TV lately. Thank God, Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. Also, here's another guy. Get off my fucking television. Roderick Strong and the fucking kingdom. These three goons. Get off TV. Expeditiously. I hate Roderick Strong with a passion. I hate this man. Holy fuck is he bad. His gimmick is fucking terrible. It's awful. What is the point of his gimmick? I genuinely want to know. He, apparently, there's rumors going around that it's Roderick Strong and the Kingdom and Adam Cole and um, the Devil's Advocates Mask, the Black Mask, which I'll get to them in a little bit. But the thing is, I don't think it's Roderick Strong and the Kingdom at all. Some people are saying that, but it's not. It's really not. I don't know. Because these four men are very tall. They have, um, they have big arms, right? And they've been attacking Hangman, Samoa Joe, MJF, all the other guys in the back. Like, who is beating these people up? There's no way this is Roger Strong in the kingdom. There is no way. No way. You know? I'm just, I'm just saying. Anyway, Roger Strong... Caught a promo that I didn't give a fuck about. No rating for that fucking segment. Renee Paquette, by the way, had four segments on this goddamn show. Except the Tony Schiavone segment where he interviewed, um... Who the hell did Tony Schiavone interview? Oh, um... Tony Schiavone interviewed, I believe, Riho, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on. Yes, Tony Schiavone interviewed uh, Riho after she attacked Tony Stark. Uh, Renee Paquette was outside MJF's locker room. Hangman on Page was walking by. He says he couldn't fly for a few weeks because he got hurt because of Swerve. Page says that Swerve broke into his eyes and got near his son, so this is very personal. Uh, Swerve Strickland beat him, and he can recognize that he has lost. MJF walked out of his room to mock Page about his match with Swerve, trying to get STDs. That is a quote from MJF. I'm not making this up. Page and MJF exchanged wins with each other. He beat Adam Page for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Adam Page says he went on to become world champion, just like MJF. MJF says he's had a reign for well over a year now, and he'll think he'll be 70 years old by himself, telling his cat about his year-long title reign. Did Adam Page say that? Uh, MJF says, Adam Page is the devil out of everybody in the locker room, and he says that, Adam Page says that MJF is a manipulator. So they're going back and forth, and there you go. That was the rest of the promo. It was an excellent promo between Hangman and MJF. Uh, Swerve Strickland versus Mark Briscoe in the Continental Classic. This is the Gold League. Uh, yes, Gold League match between Mark Briscoe and Swerve Strickland. This was a very good match between these two men. Uh, all you need to know, really, is that Swerve beat Mark Briscoe. Swerve, Mark Briscoe was not winning this tournament to begin with, but 
What was the point of him having an tournament? I already have talked about Mark Briscoe losing in the Connell Classic. I love Mark Briscoe. You guys know the deal, but he did not really need to lose this match. He could have won against Swerve, but I see why they did what they did. So Swerve and Mark Briscoe had a very good match on the show. And Swerve Strickland beat Mark Briscoe. 1-2-3 with the Swerve Stomp, and that was it. Good match. I gave this match a 7.5. Logic, I gave it a 5. Uh, Mariah May interviewed by Renee Paquette once again. Mariah says that she talked to Tony Khan about her debut match, and she will actually debut on the first episode of AEW Dynamite in 2024 because, uh, you know, why not? Because, you know, she's been training as of late, and she's just now starting to being recognized by everybody, so she needs to wrestle. All right. So Mariah May is focused on Tony Storm's women's title defense against Sky Blue on this show. Uh, Tony Storm versus Sky Blue was our next match. Yep, that was actually our next match. Uh, Samoa Joe backstage did get attacked by the Masked Men. He had a bottle over his head. Uh, Cabo already talked about it on the Winter is Coming review, which we have already have done already, so we don't really need to go into full detail about that again. Um, Tony Storm, Tony Storm versus Sky Blue for the AEW Women's World Championship. But before we talk about this match, it's time for another edition of What the Fuck Did She Do to Get a Title Shot? Hit my music! Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of What the Fuck Did She Do To Get A Title Shot? Question of the Week. What the fuck did Sky Blue do to get an AEW Women's World Championship match on this goddamn show? Here are the following answer choices at this time. Number one, Sky Blue turned heel. Number two, Sky Blue changed her color from blue to black. Number three, she asked Tony Khan for a title shot on Rampage. Number four, she ran into Tony Storm backstage on Collision and asked for a title shot. You all have 20 seconds to figure this out. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, you guys have had enough time to think about that. Question of the week, what does Sky Blue to get do to get an AEW Women's World Championship match on this goddamn show? The following answer choices are, once again, number one, Sky Blue turned heel. Number two, Sky Blue changed her color from blue to black. Number three, Sky Blue asked Tony Khan for a title shot on Rampage. Number four, Tony Storm ran into Sky Blue backstage on Collision, and Sky Blue asked for a title shot. If you guess Tony, if you guess number four, Sky Blue asked Tony Storm for a title shot backstage on Collision, you are correct. And that concludes another edition of What the Fuck Does She Do to Get a Title Shot? Let's head back to the regu your regularly scheduled program and fuck Rick Knox and Paul Turner. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck them. <laughs> Tony Storm versus Sky Blue for the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, this match was fine. Um, basically, Tony Storm beat up Sky Blue for a bit. Uh, Sky Blue actually hit her cold blue finishing move. It was it's basically a sunset flip for a two count. Uh, they battled about a turnbuckle. Tony Storm hit a superplex off the middle rope. 
Uh, Tony Storm hit a hip attack. Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, Sky Blue went for a pin attempt. And then Tony Storm rolled forward with a sunset flip. She rolls up Sky Blue. One, two, three. This match was fine. I gave this match a six. Logic, I gave it a four. There you go. A lot of people have been talking about Sky Blue as of late. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about Sky Blue and what she has on. Can y'all please focus on her wrestling? I'm going to say this one time and one time only. Focus on her wrestling. Please. My goodness. I don't care what she has on. Focus on the match. Jeez Louise. Get y'all, some of y'all got some dirty minds around here. Good Lord have mercy. A video package for Christian Cage and Adam Copeland in the main event of this show. Uh, it reminds us of how they were best friends since they were 10 years old. They started in wrestling together. The last time they feuded was 2001, and I wasn't even born yet, by the way. That's a quote. And uh, Christian Cage and Adam Copeland are both 50 years old, by the way. And uh, they're going to fight on this show. And there you go. By the way, seriously, can I say this really fast? When your best feud in AEW is Adam Copeland and Christian Cage, 50-year-old men, you know something is bad. You know something, booking-wise, is horribly wrong. And I mean this wholeheartedly. Seriously. Don't get me started. Jay White versus Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal, by the way, got a chance from the crowd here in Montreal. Uh, Jay Lethal was not going to win this match. But at the end of the day, Jay Lethal got some spotlight and... Jay Lethal is about to be a babyface again, which is cool. We can finally give Jay Lethal something to do. Thank you. Excuse me. Anyway, Jay White uh, rolled. Jay White uh, rolls up. Jay Lethal for the one, two, three. This match went eleven minutes. This match was fine. I didn't even go over the rest of this match honestly because it was a bunch of nonsense. Number one. Um, Jay White won over Jay Lethal in the Continental Classic. Uh, Gold League, and there you go. Uh, I gave this match a six. Logic, I gave it a one. That's the best I can give for this entire match. Um, we already have reviewed Winter is Coming. Next week was Winter is Coming for AEW. We will not review that uh, show necessarily, so there you go. Adam Copeland is all fired up. Adam Copeland and uh, Christian Cage in the main event of AEW Dynamite in Montreal. They get into an argument. The, the fans chanted, holy crap. Uh, Adam tried a chokehold, but Christian Cage got the ropes. Adam Copeland beat up uh, beat up Christian Cage for a bit. He sends Christian Cage into the commentary table. Christian Cage goes for a low blow, but Adam Copeland stops him. He stomps on his hand. Adam Cole did some finger snapping on Christian Cage. Just beating up Christian Cage for a while. Cage... Christian Cage finally got some offense. He pulls Adam's arm in to send Adam throat first into the ring post. And we go to commercial. Uh, we come back. Christian Cage has a back elbow. Christian Cage cries some punches by the turnbuckle. But then Adam bit his injured right hand. And Adam hit a leg sweep off the middle turnbuckle, which was awesome. Uh, they go outside. Christian does a drop toe hold to Adam Copeland onto the still steps. Back into the ring. Christian goes up top. He has a frog splash for a two. Cage goes and tries to hit Adam Copeland with something. But Adam Copeland hits an impaler for a two count. Uh, Adam Copeland goes to the top rope. Christian Cage stops him. And they're battling by the turnbuckle. Um, Christian Cage beats up Adam Copeland for a bit. But Adam 
Copeland comes back with a powerbomb for a two count. And then afterwards, Adam, Adam Copeland did a cradle for a two count. Christian wanted to kill switch. Adam Copeland. I'm not calling this man Adam no more. Copeland hits his neck breaker for a two count. Copeland across crossface. Christian gets to the bottom row. Copeland goes for a spear. He charges at Christian. Christian does a leapfrog, leading to a kill switch by Christian for a two count. Bryce Remsburg, your fucking referee. Fuck Bryce Remsburg. Nick Wayne's mom comes down to the ring. Nick Wayne came down to the ring. This shit sucked. This was a fucking excellent main event until this goddamn finish. Nick Wayne's mom did not need to come out for this fucking match. Nick Wayne got insulted by another grown-ass man. And all of a sudden, Nick Wayne is back cool with Christian again. What kind of fucking booking is this? This is fucking awful. And the funny thing about this, I do not want to give this match a no rating. I really, 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 really don't. This was a great match. Until this fucking finish. Like I've been saying, AEW has been putting on shitty fucking finishes in their matches as of late. And it's fucking pissing me off. It's fucking ridiculous. I've been talking about this for, for almost weeks now. Fucking ridiculous, man. My goodness. Get it together with y'all booking, y'all. God damn, man. Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland for this match. I gave it a 7. Logic, a 0. And the reason why I gave it a 0 is because of the finish. And number 2, Christian Cage was already going to win. Adam Copeland was not winning. He just came into the company, everybody. A lot of people were angry that um, Adam Copeland did not win the TNT title. Why would he win the TNT title? He just got into the fucking company. He just got into the company, everybody. Damn. Y'all acting like, like, y'all acting like Adam Copeland was gonna beat Christian and then have Christian, you know, fight him again. No, it's better if Adam Copeland is chasing Christian Cage instead of Christian Cage beating up Adam Copeland and then Adam Copeland actually then winning the TNT title. It's better that way. I'm just saying. Anyway, we're going to go right now into WWE Tribute to the Troops, December 8th, 2023 from Providence, Rhode Island for Friday Night Smackdown. Uh, a special Tribute to the Troops show. CM Punk was on the show. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Your first match of the show was Santos Escobar versus Dragon Lee in the United States Tournament. The tournament was announced last week on SmackDown. I'm not going to go over who's in the tournament because uh, some of you may be keeping up with SmackDown already enough as it is. So anyway, they have a U.S. title tournament that is already ended. Uh, Kevin Owens won the tournament already, but at the end of the day, it's better if I talk about this show anyway. Santos Escobar versus Dragon Lee, first round match in the U.S. title tournament. Uh, you guys know how this is going. Dragon Lee got some offense. Santos cuts him off. Uh, Dragon Lee goes for her Conrad at one point. Santos counters, and um, Santos then also hits a her Conrad of his own at one point. And basically, Dragon Lee just got beat up by Santos Escobar. Santos hits the Phantom Driver one two three. This match went nine minutes. I'm not making this up. I feel like they could have got a little bit more time, though. Like, I get it. Like, Dragon Lee is just now starting to get into everything. But he did not need to basically 
he did not need to lose. Dragon Lee is the NXT North American Champion right now. I wouldn't even have him lose. He just lost. I I don't know. I don't know. I ain't gonna say nothing. Um, Santos Escobar beat Dragon Lee again. No surprise here. I give this match a six. Logic a one for this match because Santos was gonna win. Plus, Dragon Lee is starting to get over with the crowd now, which is great. But he's not winning matches, so I don't know what's going on. So that's why the logic is down. By the way, on commentary for this show, Michael Cole, John Bradshaw Layfield was on my fucking television. And he was awful on commentary. Holy mother of God, he was awful on commentary. And I don't mean that name in vain thing, but my goodness, was he bad on commentary. Get JBL off my TV. Kevin Patrick off my TV. And this next fucking match, Bobby Lashley versus Karrion fucking Cross, who lost. Karrion Cross losing to Bobby Lashley in this tournament. What was the fucking point of this match if Karrion Cross was going to lose? They're already talking about Karrion Cross about to have a faction now and everything like that. That's fine. That's cool for Karrion Cross. And that's good. But why did Karrion Cross lose this match? If he was going to lose this match, what was the whole point of him in the tournament? Bobby Lashley, the next week afterwards, got fucking rolled up by Santos Escobar, and it didn't even look good. The roll-up was fucking horrible. Like, seriously, it, it didn't even look good. It looked, it looked, it looked fake for a minute. Seriously, it did. And I, I, I'm gonna keep it real. It, it looked fake. It looked bad. It looked horrible. It looked sloppy. It looked unrealistic. You know? It is what it is. Bobby Lashley versus Karrion Cross. No rating for this fucking match. Karrion Cross did not need to lose in this match at all. Ridiculous. What was the whole point? Your next match was Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. This match went six and a half minutes. Charlotte Flair broke her goddamn leg in the match. She's out for the next 12 months now. Asuka beat Charlotte Flair with the Asuka lock. That's all you need to know. I gave this match a five. Logic a one. There you go. Fucking ridiculous. Charlotte Flair did not need to break her goddamn leg doing some shit she should have not been doing. I was better off watching Asuka versus Shotzi Blackheart at this rate. But we've already been getting that match fucking 10, 20 times. Give me a fucking break with this shit. CM Punk uh, cut the main event promo. Uh, we'll get to him. I'm not really going to go over what he said because he basically said that he is happy to be back. That he wants uh, Seth Rollins, basically. Um, long story short, he calls out Seth. He calls out Roman Reigns. He talks about everything that's been going on with CM Punk as of late here on this show. So I'm not really going to go over the rest of the promo. You guys can find it on YouTube anyway. So there's no need for me to go over the promo. Your main event of the show was Randy Orton and LA Knight versus the Bloodline, Solo Sokoa, and Jimmy Uso. Um... <clears throat> Uh, this match was also pretty decent. I feel like Solo Sokoa has been really been getting horribly booked as of late. Like over the past three months, Solo Sokoa has has gone from dominant powerhouse to right now with the way he's being booked, jobber. And I mean this wholeheartedly. I, I, I'm gonna keep it real. Y'all want me to be honest? I'm going to be honest. Like I always am. Solo Sokoa right now is not being booked well. 
Right now, he's at jobber status right now. This man got up. This man got downgraded. Solo Sokoa. What is going on with Solo Sokoa? Someone please explain to me why Solo Sokoa has been fucking losing matches. Please, someone explain to me. And someone please tell me how the fuck does this make sense? Roman Reigns' lackeys losing matches against grown men. I know Randy Orton just came back. I know Randy Orton needed a win, but he did not need to win against the bloodline Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso in this match. LA Knight could have took the pin. LA Knight ain't doing shit. LA Knight is LA Knight is messing around with AJ Styles all of a sudden. AJ Styles with this brand new attitude and stuff, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. AJ Styles, right now, one of the best things about SmackDown. Honestly. But at the end of the day, LA Knight was not winning. LA Knight should have not won this match. I don't know. Anyway, LA. Any, anyway, Randy Orton RKO's Jimmy Uso. One, two, three. Match ends. Randy Orton and LA Knight, they, uh, you know, they cool with each other. They stare each other down. But then AJ Styles attacks LA Knight, the, basically. And um, AJ is tired of LA Knight because he feels like AJ Styles. No, AJ Styles feels like he, LA Knight stole his spot. He was supposed to fight um, Roman at Crown Jewel. So there you go. So that's why he's upset. But AJ Styles, everybody, is not healed. A lot of people think AJ Styles is turning heel. No, he's not heel. He's not heel yet, guys. Like, like, take it easy. He's not heel. He's not a good guy either. But he's not. But he's not a bad guy. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I I genuinely, really, really don't know sometimes. But anyway, uh, tribute to the troops was pretty decent for what it was. Even though half of the shit on SmackDown really did not make sense to me whatsoever. So. There you go, everybody. That was Tribute to the Troops for December 8th, 2023 of SmackDown. We're now, right now, going to go into December the 11th of 2023, which was the next week's edition of Monday Night Raw, coming to you from the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Judgment Day cut a promo. I'm not going over the rest of the promo. You guys know how I feel about Judgment Day and basically stuff like that. Anyway, Jey Uso comes out. Jey Uso calls out Drew McIntyre. Jey Uso wants a match with Drew McIntyre, and he wants to beat up uh, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre feels that Jey Uso has been um, the thorn in his side as of late. Um, Drew McIntyre has been blaming Jey Uso for his loss at Clash at the Castle, when Jey Uso, by the way, was not even on the show. Matter of fact, Jey Uso wasn't even cleared. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. He wasn't even cleared to be at Clash at the Castle. He wasn't even on the show. So, I don't know. But um, anyway, Drew McIntyre versus Jey Uso. This match was fine. Drew McIntyre beat the shit out of Jey Uso. Uh, Jey Uso goes for a splash. Drew McIntyre gets his knees up. And then Drew McIntyre hits the Claymore. One, two, three. It was all over from there. Drew McIntyre beat Jey Uso in this match. And I will give this match a 7. Logic, I'll give it a 5. That was the best I can give for this match between Drew McIntyre and Jey Uso. Our next match afterwards was Rhea Ripley versus Maxine Dupree with Ivy Nile. Apparently, Maxine Dupree and Ivy Nile are friends now. Even though Ivy Nile has her thing going on with the Creed Brothers. And Maxine Dupree is an Alpha Academy. 
and Rhea Ripley is going to face off against Maxine Dupree on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this match went two minutes. Yes, two minutes. Rhea Ripley beat Maxine Dupree. Clean us a whistle, one, two, three. No complaints here about this at all, really, for me. But I'm not going to give this a 9 or a 10 out of 10. No. This match is getting a no rating. Rhea Ripley beat up Maxine Dupree. Beat the shit out of Maxine Dupree. Maxine Dupree didn't even get a single thing of offense in this goddamn match. Rhea Ripley beat the crap out of her. Wasn't even close. No rating for this shit. Wrestling, zero. Logic, fucking zero. This was, a, this was a jobber match. Nobody gives a shit about these matches. Come on, Triple H. What the fuck were you doing with this shit? What gives, huh? I understand Rhea Ripley is supposed to be protected. You know, she's cool and all. But my goodness, what is this? Golly, man. And another match. And there was another match on this show that went two and a half minutes, by the way. We'll get to that. Bronson Reed versus Ivar was their next match. Uh, this match was fine. It was a big man match. Ivar has been doing pretty well as a singles guy, even though Eric is out with the um, with the ACL thing, basically. So Eric is going to be out for a bit. So Ivar with Valhalla, who is still employed, versus Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed is going to win this match either way. Bronson Reed has been doing pretty well for himself on Monday Night Raw as of late. So I really can't complain. So, Bronson Reed beats Ivar in 8 minutes. This match was fine. I gave it a 6. Logic, I gave it a 4. Your next match after was Caden Carter and Katana Chance versus Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Two and a half minutes, no rating. Caden Carter and Katana Chance beat Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell got pinned on this show. In no way, shape, or form do I gave a flying fuck about the match. Not that I don't care about Caden Carter and Katana Chance. They're doing really well for themselves. But why did Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell just randomly tag team together? They do not need to be in any kind of tag team whatsoever. They could have been on their own. Indy Hartwell was just as fine on her own. And she hasn't even been on television. She's fine on her own is Indy Hartwell. She's fine. Candice LeRae is fine on her own too now. You know? I don't get it. I, I understand they're trying to rebuild the women's tag team division, but this is not the way to go. Two and a half minute matches on this fucking show? That's not the way to go. This episode of Rope Break is interrupted to advertise Locks Open Radio certified bangers. A roller coaster of music consisting of drum and bass. <laughs> Indie pop. Pop and R and B. Soundtracks. 
anything else that comes to Harpo's mind as well as world news and special guests. You can listen to Life's Opening Radio certified bangers every Sunday afternoon on Spotify. Back to your regular scheduled program. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura has been messing around with Cody Rhodes as of late. It was last week on Raw. I forgot to mention this, by the way. Shinsuke Nakamura sprayed red mist in Cody Rhodes' eyes. Cody Rhodes' eyes burning. Uh, Cody Rhodes has bandages under, under his eyes and stuff like that. So he's selling the red mist, basically. And apparently, in the main event of the show, um, Cody Rhodes fought Shinsuke Nakamura. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Our next match was a six-man tag team match to open up the third hour of Monday Night Raw. DIY, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, and The Miz versus Imperium, Gunther, Luke Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci in a six-man tag team match. No rating for this fucking match at all. First of all, Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion, lost number one. Luke Kaiser took the pin number two. Number three, this did not need to be on the show. Why the fuck is The Miz fucking around with Gunther when Gunther should not be losing matches? He should not be losing matches in general, period. Let alone fucking six-man tags. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't care about this Miz and Gunther food. Miz and Gunther feud anymore. I don't care. I, I, I liked the match they had at Survivor Series. But there's no reason for Gunther to be losing matches. No reason. There should be zero reason why he losing matches. No reason for this shit. Fucking ridiculous. Anyway, uh, DIY and The Miz beat Imperium. No rating for this match at all. And our next match will also get no rating at all. Because it ended in a fucking DQ. Cody Rhodes versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura beat the shit out of Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes came back. He had a crossroads, but Shinsuke got his foot on the rope. Uh, Shinsuke then went outside the ring. He got a... uh, He basically got a steel chair. And Shinsuke Nakamura disqualifies himself. And there you go. Cody Rhodes wins by DQ. No one gave a shit. DQ. It sucks. No rating. Shinsuke Nakamura then sprays red mist in the eyes of Cody Rhodes to close out the show. And Shinsuke Nakamura and Cody Rhodes are now in a very uh, heated feud now, which is interesting. But again, what does this do for Shinsuke Nakamura? I genuinely want to know. Is he going to beat Is he gonna beat Cody Rhodes one day and then Cody Rhodes gets his, his get back on, um, on Raw? I don't know. I'm just I'm just asking a question. It's better if, if it's better if people just answer the question than it is for me to actually <laughs> answer the actual question itself because it doesn't make sense. It it doesn't make sense. Like what is the whole point of this Cody and Shinsuke feud 
if Cody is going to be booked like a buffoon, and if Shinsuke Nakamura was going to be booked as this this dangerous assassin uh, kind of character, which is cool, but again, it doesn't make sense. Why is Shinsuke fucking around with Cody Rhodes? Like he doesn't need to match. He doesn't need to fight Cody. And also, this match ending in a fucking DQ. No one gives a shit. Just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just being honest, everybody. Oh, man. I don't know anymore. Anyway, we're going to go right now into SmackDown, December the 15th, 2023. We have already reviewed Winter is Coming and a separate episode, which you can also find here on Life's Open Radio Rubric. Uh, Friday Night SmackDown, December 15th, 2023, from the Rush Center in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Your opening match was Carmelo Hayes, who got called up from NXT. He is officially a SmackDown superstar. Uh... For now, anyway. Uh, Carmelo Hayes versus Grayson Waller in the U.S. title tournament. First round match. This match was actually a pretty good match. And um, Grayson Waller sold nicely for Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes hits his finisher on Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller, you know, basically... Grayson Waller has been losing matches a lot. I get that, but... Um, uh, I don't know. I like I like the fact they're pushing Carmelo Hayes now, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. I like Carmelo Hayes. I, I do. But he did not need to be in this U.S. title tournament. There could have been so many, so many other guys backstage who deserved to be in the U.S. title tournament. And I am not saying, I'm not saying don't showcase NXT talent. I'm saying Carmelo Hayes did not really have a legit reason. He didn't have a... He didn't have any kind of purpose to be in this U.S. title tournament anyway. So, I guess this is Triple H's way of trying to book NXT guys into the thick of things, which is cool. Don't get me wrong, but again, it just does not really work in this instance. So, I don't know, but who am I to complain? Who am I to complain? Um, This match is getting a 7. Logic, I gave it a 5. It was fine. Good match, though, but I think Carmelo Hayes is... uh, He's going to be a fixture on SmackDown. Is he going to... I think he's going to debut at the Royal Rumble. And I think Carmelo Hayes is going to be a fully SmackDown superstar once he gets things done with Trick Williams and, uh, you know, everything like that. So, he'll be he'll be just fine. He'll be fine. The next match on the show was Kevin Owens versus Austin Theory and also a first-round match in the United States Championship Tournament. Uh... This was another good match between the two guys. Kevin Owens and Austin Theory have been wrestling each other for a while now anyway, to be fair. So I am not surprised this was a good match. But anyway, Austin Theory, former U.S. champion. He wants the U.S. title back. But he's tired of Kevin Owens. So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on with um, Austin Theory losing to Kevin Owens all the time. Can Austin Theory just get a win on Kevin Owens? He could have won this match. I could have seen him winning this match because I feel like Kevin Owens right now. Like, I know Kevin Owens is fighting for the U.S. title, but again, like, Kevin Owens, is he going to win the U.S. title? Like, we don't know if he's going to win the U.S. title. We don't know if KO is going to win the U.S. title. We don't know if Kevin Owens is going to actually elevate the United States Championship and stuff like that. He's already, what? A former Intercontinental Champion, former World Champion, WWE Champion, Universal Champion. I mean, 
He's also a former United States champion when he was fighting AJ Styles all that time in 2017. So, I mean, yeah, this is cool. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't know because I feel like Triple H doesn't have anything in store for Kevin Owens at the moment. So he's just putting him in the U.S. title uh, U.S. title picture now, even though realistically it should be somebody else who should be in that spot. But uh, I don't know. I'm not going to try to make things harder than it already is. Anyway, Kevin Owens beat Austin Theory, and that was that. Uh, next match was the returning of the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kairi Sane, with Dakota Kai and Bailey as a part of Damage Control, versus Selena Vega and Michin. Apparently, Selena Vega and Michin are now friends now. Uh, they're starting to get along with each other, which is cool, and they're starting to have a little tag team of their own because they're both Puerto Rican, so there you go. Uh, pair them together, and you have a tag team. Basically, that's the way of doing things, apparently, in the women's tag team division. Asuka and Kairi Sane versus Selena Vega and Meechin. I'm going to give this match a 5. Logic 0, because Selena Vega and Meechin was not winning this match. They're a new tag team. They were going to lose either way. And Asuka and Kairi Sane was going to win this match either way. So, there you go. Super predictable. That's why it's getting a 0. Your main event was Randy Orton versus Jimmy Uso. Apparently, at Tribute to the Troops. Uh, Jimmy Uso and Randy Orton had a little back and forth. So Nick Aldis made the match between Randy Orton and Jimmy Uso last week. So the main event of SmackDown for this show was Randy Orton versus Jimmy Uso. Uh, this was a, a damn good match between the two guys. Uh, you guys could, should go check it out. Uh, the match between Randy Orton and Jimmy Uso on SmackDown. I'm not reviewing this match because number one... It's kind of also predictable because Jimmy Uso has been losing as of late. So there's no reason for Randy Orton to lose before he fights Roman or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, good match. But me reviewing the match would not do it justice to how good the match actually would be. So I'm going to give it Randy Orton versus Jimmy Uso. I'll give it a seven and a half. Logic, I'll give it a five. And um, there you go. Anyway, after the match. Um, Solo Sokoa comes out, he tried to beat up Randy Orton, but he gets RKO'd, LA Knight comes out, and stuff like that, but then LA Knight then gets attacked by AJ Styles, and, um, they're gonna have their little match, uh, down the line, so, AJ Styles is back, everyone, and thank God he is back, because SmackDown missed AJ Styles, seriously, I... Didn't even know AJ Styles was even on the roster even before he even showed up. But then I realized how good AJ Styles actually is. So, there you go. Anyway, uh, that was SmackDown for December the 15th of 2023. And now I will now go into the next Monday Night Raw and the last Monday Night Raw I will review. Because the Raw after this show was the Christmas uh, recap edition of Monday Night Raw, basically, so there you go, anyway, uh, Raw is going to come back on New Year's Day on January the 1st, so look out for that on Monday Night Raw, uh, December 18th, 2023, Monday Night Raw, episode number 1595 of Monday Night Raw from the Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Iowa, the home of the Hawkeyes, um, oh my goodness, oh my goodness gracious, Ladies and gentlemen, our truth is back. 
R-Truth versus J.D. Madonna in a miracle on 34th Street fight. Dominic Mysterio, still employed. He's out there. R-Truth, still employed. J.D. Madonna, still employed. Seriously. Why the fuck was this a match? This was a miracle on 34th Street fight. J.D. Madonna is wearing a fucking neck brace. This man is being treated like dog shit, J.D. Madonna. What in the fuck is going on with J.D. Madonna? J.D. Madonna is better off as a singles guy. He, didn't, he does not need to be in Judgment Day right now with the way he's being booked. He's being booked like a buffoon. What gives? I just, I just want to know. What gives? This makes no sense. None of this makes sense. R-Truth beating JD Madonna in a street fight. Why? Why? This doesn't make sense. I'm not going to go on a rant about this. We'll go. I'll go on a rant about something else. My goodness. Give me a fucking break. R-Truth versus JD Madonna in a street fight. Match went 10 minutes. No rating because R-Truth decided to win a match randomly on my TV. This sucked. No rating. Next match was for the Intercontinental Championship. The Miz gets his rematch against Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. This was the best thing on the entire show by leaps and bounds. Another great match between the two. Me reviewing the match is not doing it any kind of justice. But all you need to know is that Gunther uh, beat The Miz with a hor uh, not looking, not good looking powerbomb. Let's just put it like that. So the Gunther, so Gunther beat the Miz with the power bomb, and that was it. One, two, three. Gunther won against the Miz. The match went 21 minutes. I may add, great match between the two guys. Uh, the Miz brought uh, a good match out of Gunther, which is a surprise to say the least. And normally I hate the Miz, but other than that, you know, good match. I can't complain about this. Is this a match of the year candidate? Fuck no. A lot of people were saying Miz and Gunther on Raw was a match of the year candidate. No. Hell no. What? Match of the year candidate over over Gunther and over Gunther, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus and Cody and Roman and um Seth and AJ Styles? No. No. No, 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 no. Hell no. That ain't a match of the year candidate. Get out of here with that. The Miz in any kind of match of the year candidate. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Are you fucking kidding me? The Miz in any kind of match of the year candidate in this year of 2023. This man has been having the most forgettable of matches until like literally since what? November now? But it, but all of a sudden this match is the match of the year candidate. Him and Gunther. No. Absolutely not. Your next match afterwards was Caden Carter and Katana Chance versus Chelsea Green and Piper Niven for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Caden Carter and Katana Chance are number one contenders for the Tag Team titles. And they win the Women's Tag Team titles. Caden Carter and Katana Chance beat Chelsea Green and Piper Niven um, to win the Women's Tag Team titles. I'm not going over this match because number one, Caden Carter and Katana Chance kind of deserve to win this match. Also, Chelsea Green and Piper Niven are not a tag team. Some people are saying they are a tag team. They're not a tag team. Let me let me specify this once again. They are not a tag team. They are friends, but they're not a tag team. There you go. 
So anyway, we have new women's tag team champions, Caden Carter and Katana Chance. Uh, they win the match. Good match between the two, between all four women involved. It was it was fine. Uh, I gave this match a six. Logic, I gave it a four. There you go. Your next match afterwards was Ivar against Akira Tozawa with Maxine Dupree. Apparently, Alpha Academy is messing around with the Viking Raiders all of a sudden, which is weird. I don't advocate for that kind of garbage on my TV. But I will say this. The Viking Raiders need to be booked better from here on out. I don't need them fighting Alpha Academy because Alpha Academy, they're not really a tag team, to be honest with you. Like, they're not a legit tag team. They're a comedy team. Like, they're not really a legit tag team to take serious. So, what's the point of this match anyway? Ivar versus Akira Tozawa. This match went four minutes too long. No rating for this match at all. Ivar won with his splash, and that was it. He beat Akira Tozawa. Clean as a whistle. One, two, three. No one gave a flying fuck. Backstage, Imperium. They talk They talk trash about uh, Jey Uso. So, Jey Uso... Then comes out, and um, Jey Uso challenges Luke with Kaiser to a match, and um, there you go. The match is made. Luke with Kaiser versus Jey Uso. The match went 10 minutes. It was fine. Giovanni Vinci got knocked down by Jey Uso at one point in the match, and then Luke with Kaiser got super kicked, and then Jey Uso finishes off Luke with Kaiser with the splash. Four to one, two, three. Jey Uso beats Luke with Kaiser clean as a whistle. Why is Luke with Kaiser a fucking jobber? I want to know. Seriously, I genuinely want to know. This makes no sense. Anyway, your main event of this show on December 18th, 2023. The final main event of 2023 for Monday Night Raw. The Judgment Day. Finn Balor and Damian Priest, the Raw and SmackDown Tag Team Champions. The Undisputed Tag Team Champions. They come out with the Women's Champion Rhea Ripley versus the Creed Brothers. Julius Creed and Brutus Creed with Ivy Nile in their corner. Uh, this match was actually a fine match, but there was too much bullshit involved, basically. In other words, Dominic Mysterio got involved, JD Madonna got involved, and a whole bunch of other shit happened that will take away from the rest of the match. The Creed Brothers lost because Finn Balor hit the coup de grace on Julius Creed. One, two, three. Finn Balor and Damon Priest still attacking champions, and then the Judgment Day attacked the Creed Brothers. Um... Basically, all, everyone comes out. Seth Rollins comes out. Who else came out? Jey Uso comes out. Um, Cody comes out at one point. They have a brawl, basically, to end uh, Monday Night Raw for the rest of 2023. And that was how the show went off the air with a giant brawl. That's pretty much how it ended. And that was Monday Night Raw. The final Monday Night Raw that I will review from here on out. And that is it. Monday Night Raw... Had a recap show on Christmas Day, which I will not go over. Obviously, it's a recap show, to say the least. So, right now, we're now going to go into the December 20th edition of AEW Dynamite, coming from the Paycom Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, in a Continental Classic Gold League match, Swerve Strickland versus Roosh, which was a damn good match between these two men. Uh, Swerve Strickland and Roosh had another great match. I, I think... Swerve Strickland is actually being pushed, but with the way that things have been transpiring lately, I don't think Swerve Strickland is going to do anything outside of, like, fight Keith Lee. Like, like, seriously, why are we booking Swerve to 
have all of this momentum coming out of his rivalry with Hangman Adam Page, and then at the end have him like lose. Like, what's the point of not following up on his momentum? Swerve Strickland is the best thing in AEW right now. Right now, the best thing in AEW. A lot of people think, oh, um, maybe it's, um, you know, Roderick Strong, who's the best thing about AEW. Wrong. That's not true at all. Seriously, if Roderick Strong was the best thing about AEW, I would have to tear my hair out. There is no way Roderick Strong is the best thing in AEW. That is ridiculous to think about. Unbelievable. By the way, this was December 20th, 2023. This was uh, AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash, if I am not mistaken, because the next show afterwards was New Year's Smash uh, number one. So there you go. Anyway, Swerve Strickland versus Roosh in the Continental Classic Gold League match. It was good. Swerve Strickland beat Roosh with the Swerve Stomp. One, two, three. Swerve Strickland beats Roosh. Clean as a whistle in 15 minutes. A great match between the two men. I gave the match an eight. Logic, I gave it a five. Our next match afterwards was Mark Briscoe versus Jay Lethal in another Continental Classic Gold League match. I didn't necessarily care about this match because both men needed a win in the Continental Classic overall. Uh, Jay Lethal still has zero points because Mark Briscoe wins over Jay Lethal, and no surprise here for me, Mark Briscoe's a great wrestler, but again, at the end of the day, this should have been done a long time ago. If Mark Briscoe was going to win a match in the Continental Classic, y'all could have had him at least with like six points. Instead, y'all had him with three points the whole time. No point in this match. Anyway, uh, Mark Briscoe beats Jay Lethal with the J-Driller, and then he hits the Froggy Bro for the win. One, two, three, Jay Lethal, goodbye. Um, Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal, I gave it a match a 6. Logic, I gave it a 2. That's the best I can give for this match. Your next match afterwards was Riho versus Soraya for the number one contendership for the AEW Women's World Championship. Soraya and Riho have been going back and forth backstage with a couple of words for each other. Uh, Soraya has been insulting Rio as of, Riho as of late. And uh, she thinks that Riho is uh, another one of these... Uh, Women who can just walk up and think she deserves everything. She calls her entitled, basically. And stuff like that. So anyway, Riho versus Soraya for the number one contendership for the Women's World Championship. Which really, didn't, this match did not really need to happen. Because real, realistically, there is no number one contender for Tony Storm's Women's World title. The only reason they did this match is because they needed to have Soraya have a reason why she, why she should get a rematch. For the AEW Women's World Championship. That's the only reason for this match. You know, they want to plug in Rio. They want to push him. They want to push Riho all of a sudden after Riho has been off fucking television for 11 fucking months. 11 months. She's been gone. And now all of a sudden she gets a title shot. What the fuck kind of sense does that make? None. Ah. <sighs> Riho versus Soraya. Riho beats Soraya with her finisher, the foot stomp, and that was it. One, two, three. Riho beats Soraya to become the number one contender for the Women's World Championship held by Tony Storm. They will fight at World's End, which me and Kawa will both review here on Life Summary Radio Road Break. I'm going to give this match a no rating for this match at all because Riho did not need to win this match at all. 
Riho has wrestled one match ever since she's come back, and now all of a sudden she's number one contender. What the fuck kind of sense does that make? Illogical booking. Completely fucking illogical. Your next match is also getting a no rating. Roderick Strong with the Kingdom versus Commander. No rating. Nine minutes too long. Commander lost. Looks like a fucking buffoon out there. Roderick Strong beat him. That's all you need to know. No rating for this fucking match at all. This sucked. Unbelievable. Now we're going to move on into the main event of this of last week's AEW Dynamite. Jay White versus John Moxley. Continental Classic Gold League match. If Jay White wins the match, he ties John Moxley. And it's a triple threat match in the Gold League final. To uh, go ahead to World's End to fight the Blue League final winner. Which ended up being Eddie Kingston. So Jay White versus John Moxley. The match was actually a good match. I, I enjoyed the match between the two guys. Jay White and John Moxley had a pretty good match. John Moxley beat up Jay White, but then John Moxley made a mistake. Basically, he 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 tried for um I don't know what he was trying for. He was trying for a bulldog choke, but then Jay White um I think what the hell happened? I, I I did not write the finish of this match, but I do know that Jay White was announced as the winner of the match. I don't know what happened for the main of I don't know what happened for this finish. Did Jay White hit the Blade Runner or he rolled him up? I think Jay White rolled him up. Because I don't think John Moxley... Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Here's what happened. John Moxley um, was about to go for a finisher. He was about to go for his paradigm shift. But then Jay White rolls up John Moxley. One, two, three. Jay White ties John Moxley in the kind of classic gold league. And he um, ties Swerve and Moxley in the kind of classic... They have their match at New Year's Smash, night number one, which I will review in just a little bit. And Jay White beats John Moxley, and they have the Triple Threat match next week on AEW Dynamite. That was your main event of December 20th, 2023 for AEW Dynamite. And that will end the show, basically. And then after the and then afterwards, uh, the Devil's Max Men, they attack Hangman Adam Page. No, excuse me, that was two weeks ago. Sorry. Yeah, that was, no, that was that Winter is Coming, right? When did they attack Hangman? Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Sorry. Anyway, um, I do remember Samoa Joe getting attacked by the Devil's Max Men, basically. And the Devil's Max Men, they send a message to MJF, and that's how they end the show. So next week is MJF and Samoa Joe versus the Devil's Max Men in the main event of the show for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Titles. There you go, everybody. That is that's that's ridiculous. Anyway, we're now gonna go into the final SmackDown that I will review for this roundup. Uh, no, excuse me. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Sorry. SmackDown had a recap show on December twenty-ninth. Sorry, 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 everybody. Hold on. We're okay. We're now going to review AEW Dynamite. Oh no, this fucking show. This fucking show sucks. Oh my goodness gracious. AEW Dynamite, December 27, 2023 from the Edition Financial Arena in Orlando, Florida. AEW's New Year's Smash. Really, New Year's Trash. This show sucked. 
This show sucked. Fucking horrendous match except for like two matches on the show. And that was it. Horrendous AEW New Year's Smash. New Year's Trash, I'm going to call it now. Holy fuck, this show sucked. Alright, your opening match for AEW New Year's Smash was John Moxley versus Swerve Strickland versus Jay White in a three-way final match in the Continental Classic Gold League. Um, basically, they're all tied with the same score, so whoever wins goes to World's End to fight the Blue League winner for the Ring of Honor World Championship and the Continental Classic Championship as well. So there you go, everybody. That is the match. I will now review this match in its entirety right now. Swerve was looking for a quick win. He rolls up Moxley from behind, but Moxley kicked out. Uh, Moxley and Swerve traded forearms. Moxley hit some headbutts to Swerve. Swerve and Moxley brawled on outside the ring while Jay White watched on. Jay White taking his time. Swerve Strickland and Moxley, they grab Jay White and they toss him over the barricade. Mox then chucks Swerve Strickland over the barricade. They go into the crowd. Swerve put John Moxley on a chair and then charge him with a running knee on the outside. Uh, Swerve Strickland beats up Moxley. Jay White sneaks up behind Moxley. He hits him with a chop block. Jay White hammers down right hands on John Moxley. Jay White suplexes Moxley onto a steel chair. Back in the ring, Jay White chopped at Swerve and then he suplexed Swerve into the corner. Jay White tried to suplex Swerve, but Swerve counters with a kick from the apron. Moxley takes down Jay White with a pump kick. Swerve was waiting for Moxley, but Moxley gets his boot up and then he rakes the back of Swerve Strickland. Uh, Swerve connects with a lariat and then a European uppercut to the back of John Moxley's head. Uh, Swerve back jobs John Moxley over the top rope. Swerve climbs up. He drops both Moxley and Jay White with a crossbody onto the outside. Moxley then comes back with a tope suicida. He dives, driving Swerve back into the barricade. Uh, Moxley spikes Swerve with a power driver. Moxley follows up with a hammer and anvil elbow strikes. And then Moxley goes for a superplex, but Swerve fights out. Swerve jumped the turnbuckles, but Moxley countered with a boot and then a normal DDT for a two count. Moxley cleared off the timekeeper's table. Moxley was looking for a power driver on the table, but Jay White whacks Moxley with a chair to the back, and then he hammers Moxley's leg, and he beats up uh, John Moxley with the chair. Jay White jumps back into the ring, and then Swerve tried to roll him up for a near fall. Swerve Strickland then beat up Jay White for a bit. Swerve Strickland hit the house call kick on Jay White, and then Swerve power slammed Jay White down to the ground. And then Swerve hit a 450 splash on Jay White, but Moxley there to break up the pin. Moxley locks a Bulldog choke on Jay White. But then in the middle of the Bulldog choke, Swerve hits Moxley with the house call as well, which was awesome. Jay White pushes Swerve into Moxley, and then Moxley hits a King Kong Lariat onto Swerve. Uh, Jay, Woxley, Jay White planted Moxley with the Blade Runner, goes for the cover. Swerve shoves Moxley off of Jay White, breaking the pin. JY smacking Moxley with a steel chair, and then he cracks Swerve in the ribs with a steel chair. JY propped the chair up between the turnbuckles. Swerve, dra- he- Swerve grabbed at JY, and then he whipped him into the chair. Moxley and Swerve stood there. They traded shots in the middle of the ring. Swerve caught Moxley with two pump kicks, but then uh, Swerve comes back with a discus lariat. Swerve looking for the JML driver, but Moxley bit on his fingers. I'm not making this up. Swerve then climbs up with a Swerve Stomp after taking down Moxley, but Jay White knocks him down off the turnbuckle, and then Moxley hits Jay White with the Death Rider. One, two, three. John Moxley heads to the Gold League final 
at World's End to fight Eddie Kingston, the Blue League winner of the Continental Classic. The winner of that match gets the Ring of Honor World Championship and the Continental Championship as well. I'm going to give this match an 8.5. Logic, I'll give it a 6. Swerve Strickland did not need to lose this match. Even though he did not get pinned, he did not need to lose this match. I'm just saying. If Swerve Strickland is the best thing about AEW, why not make him fight Eddie Kingston? Swerve and Eddie Kingston, uh, last time I checked, they uh, have never met each. They've never met before in the ring. You know, they, they've, they've had some back and forth conversations, but I mean, <laughs> this Continental Classic was all for Eddie Kingston to uh, be in the finals. That was it. I waited a month and a half for Eddie Kingston to be in the finals against Moxley. And there's a story there, don't get me wrong, but there's no heat for John Moxley. There is no heat for this man. Zero. There's no heat for this match. There's no actual build for this match even happening. There's no teasing of the match even going to happen. What's the fucking point of this match if John Moxley and Eddie Kingston was going to be in the finals anyway? <sighs> Good lord. The match was great, though, but other than that, that was the best thing on the show. Everything else just fucking died a thousand deaths. Horrendous. Tony Schiavone backstage with Swerve and upset Swerve Strickland. The Continental Classic was bringing life back into this business. Swerve Strickland says that I proved that I'm one of the best in the industry, if not the best. I didn't get pinned. Jay White got pinned. And then Swerve mentions Keith Lee looking for him on collision. And then... Keith Lee versus Swerve. Swerve says, I got nothing to do this Saturday. I'll be there at World's End. Tony Schiavone presents Swerve Strickland with a contract to wrestle Keith Lee at World's End. Swerve signs a contract and he says, quote, we'll see if he shows up this Saturday. Well, it depends on what they do, but Keith Lee versus Swerve, which should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, there's no heat. There's no heat for this match. I know Keith Lee's looking for Swerve, but... Keith Lee should have been looking for Swerve ever since August when he came back. Right or wrong? Anyway, Renee Paquette interviews Mariah Ray. Mariah Ray. Who the hell is Mariah Ray? She might as well be Mariah Hay. Mariah May. The new signing for AEW, basically. Um, she's been Tony Storm's, um, you know, second in command, basically. Mariah May is a fan of Tony Storm, obviously, so... They're sticking with that. Mariah May cut a lackluster promo. I'm not going over the rest of the promo because basically she says, my debut will be next week on the first Dynamite of the new year because 2024 is all about Mariah. She got no reaction when she said that at all. A lackluster promo from Mariah May. Work on your promo skills, Mariah May. Holy shit. What a lackluster promo. What a way to introduce yourself, huh? And then you got chased down to the ring by a five foot three woman. You got you 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 hurried away from a five foot three woman. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the women's division. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Oh my goodness! Tony Storm sprints down to the ring to help out Mariah May. Rio trips her up. Rio hits a crossbody onto Tony Storm and Luther. And uh, they're building up Riho 
to beat up uh, Tony Storm and probably win the Women's Championship. Holy fuck. Not a, not a fan of this shit at all. Backstage, Top Flight and Action Andretti have some words after the match with the Acclaim. There are, pr- there are plenty of trios for us to fight. And then these motherfuckers walked up. Orange Cassidy still employed. Trent Beretta still employed. Rocky Romero still employed. What the fuck was this segment? Apparently, Orange Cassidy and Rapongi Vice versus Top Flight. They're going to fight on a rampage. I'm not watching that match at all. I don't care what nobody say. I'm not watching. I am not watching at all. I, I, I don't care. Yeah, no rating for this entire segment. Anyway, uh, Miro cuts a promo. He says that um, Andrade El Idolo has been ducking him for a bit. So Miro challenges Andrade El Idolo at World's End this Saturday, which me and Cabo will review here on Rope Break. Uh, that's going to be a great match between the two guys. And they're finally on TV. Thank God almighty. Tony Schiavone in the ring for Don Callis' family's Boxing Week celebration. Uh, this is a... Uh, a week where um, they celebrate um, the great things that they do is basically Canada's version of Christmas, basically. Don Callis, who is still employed, he's in the ring. Um, anyway, the Don Callis family come out. Powerhouse Hobbs, Kanosuke Takesha, and Kyle Fletcher, who is now the Ring of Honor World Television Champion because he won a tournament to um, on Ring of Honor. So Kyle Fletcher is... Uh, Ring of Honor World TV Champion now. Great. One problem. No one cares. Don Callis got a promo. He says, I have something important to say. That's a quote. I have something important to say. No, you don't, Don Callis. No, you don't. Don Callis, get off my fucking TV. Matter of fact, I'm not going over the rest of this promo. First of all, number one. Here's what happened in all in like 15 minutes. Don Callis cuts a promo. Sammy Guevara interrupts Don Callis. Sammy Guevara turns on the Don Callis family, basically. So basically, Sammy Guevara is back to a babyface after he was just in the Don Callis family. What was the whole point of him being in the Don Callis family if he was going to fucking turn on them in the first place? I understand he just had a baby girl. I get it. But God damn it. Why? Anyway, Sammy Guevara and Jericho are cool again. Uh, Jericho is fighting the Don Callis family now, so Jericho and Sam Guevara, they fight the Don Callis family. Sting and Darby Allen, they come out to help out, and now, uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill, they also come out as well. The tag team champions, and, um, they, they, they all have a big, giant brawl, and, um, Jericho and his crew get the best of, uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill and the Don Callis family, so basically... An eight-man tag team match will happen at World's End. And I don't even care about this match at all. I'm already going to give it a no rating. The match hasn't even happened yet. I don't care about this match. It's Sting, Darby Allin, Sammy Guevara, and Chris Jericho versus the tag team champions Ricky Starks and Big Bill versus the Don Cal... And, uh, no. Ricky Starks and Big Bill with, with the Don Cal's family, which is Powerhouse Hobbs and... Kanosuke Takesha. I don't care about this match at all, dude. I really, 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 really don't give a fuck about this match at all. It's nonsense. Jericho and Sammy. I would have understood it was Jericho and uh, a free agent signing. 
Because remember, Jericho was supposed to have a another partner who was not a uh, AEW superstar, a free agent assigning, fighting the tag team champions, right? So now they're gonna make this match an eight man tag. Why? That don't make no goddamn sense. None of this makes sense. Oh boy, this show sucks. Awful show. Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston, Continental Classic Blue League Final. I've already have talked about uh, who won the Blue League Final. It was Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston beat Brian Danielson. Eddie Kingston hit two back fists and then a uh, what? Uh, what else did he do? He hit a power bomb, which did not look good, by the way, on Brian Danielson. One, two, three. Eddie Kingston is in the Blue League Final, like I said earlier on. Eddie Kingston then actually cut a promo, and then John Moxley cut out, came out. John Moxley, the winner of the Gold League final. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, they cut a promo. John Moxley says, quote, Eddie, all I've ever asked from you every time I stuck my neck out for you, all I've ever asked for you to give 100%. And for a guy who thinks the whole world is against him, you got a lot of people who love you. Everyone in Orlando loves Eddie Kingston. AEW fans love Eddie Kingston. Every person in the building on Saturday at World's End in Long Island is going to love Eddie Kingston. And they don't care whether you win or lose, but they deserve your very best. They they deserve your maximum effort. Problem is, I know you better than you know yourself. I know you can't beat me, and you know you can't beat me. So for my money, you've already lost. You've already given up. You're already making excuses, but that's not going to fly this time. A couple of years ago, I gave you the shot of your lifetime, and I let you off the hook. This time, you're not going to get one single favor. You want to be a triple crown champion just like all your heroes? You're going to have to earn every inch. Pause. Come on, John Moxley. Come on, bro. Hey, yo. You're going to have to earn every inch. Hey, yo. What? What the fuck? Yo. No. No, no, no. Don't use that language no more, John Moxley. Yo. Yo. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yo. <laughs> Eddie Kingston retorts John Moxley. He says, you've talked enough. Let me tell you something. Don't come out here and treat me like your young boy, Utah, because I ain't no young boy. Remember something. I broke in before you. You're lucky I let you breathe, but I'm going to tell you something. You're right. I'm, the, I'm one of the most down people. I hate myself more than I hate anybody else. That is a quote. But Saturday, the king of the bums is going to push you. You told me once when I wanted to quit AEW, you are not allowed to quit because we need people like you around to shape the younger guys. So is that what you want, John? I'm going to give you everything I have. You better show your fighting spirit because I'm going to show you mine and I'm going to bust you up and enjoy it. So basically, he threatens to bleed John Moxley and win the match at World's End. John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston at World's End, which we will review on Road Break. Christian Cage and Adam Copeland, they brawl. I'm not really going to go over this brawl because... Uh, it was the best thing on the show. Christian Cage talking about, you know, Nick Wayne. <laughs> First of all, he called he called Christian. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, Christian Cage called Nick Wayne's mom Mother Cage and the prodigy uh, Nick Wayne. <laughs> Basically, that's what he said. Adam Copeland does not care. He beats up Nick Wayne. Adam Copeland beats up Christian Cage for a while. It takes Dante Martin and Coleman Dare to hold back Adam Copeland, which is fucking ridiculous. But 
who am I to complain? But that was the best thing about this entire show, to be honest with you. Oh, and by the way, Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson, I gave it a six and a half. Logic, I gave it a five. And then we go to our next match, which was Sky Blue versus Chris Statlander. Apparently, Stokely Hathaway was on commentary for this match. Why? I don't know. Don't ask me. Uh, Stokely Hathaway, who is still employed. Uh, Sky Blue, uh, she has um, changed her her black. She is she's wearing all black now. She's wearing a two piece suit now. And um, a lot of people are more focused on her outfit more than her actual wrestling. And that's not a good sign. I'm just saying, not me. Other people are. It's true though. So I don't know. Anyway, this match went nine minutes. Um, Sky Blue uh, did a couple of other moves. Sky hit a running knee strike and then a pump kick to the side of the head. Sky Blue planted uh, Statlander on the ring apron, and then Chris Statlander rolled through with a deadlift German suplex for a near fall, which was a great move, by the way. It was awesome. Um, Sky ducked a kick and connected with a thrust kick. Sky then hit the cold blue for a near fall on Chris Statlander. Sky then jumped off the top row looking for her Corona, but Chris Statlander catches her and rocks Sky with a powerbomb for a two count. Chris Statlander kicked Sky in the gut and then, um, while Chris Statlander was about to focus on Sky Blue, Julia Hart ran down to the ring. Um, she jumped out of nowhere. She clocks Chris Statlander with the TBS championship behind the referee's back. Fucking ridiculous. I believe your referee for this match was fucking Paul Turner for this match. Paul Turner. Horrendous referee. Another man needs to get off my television. Fucking ridiculous. I hate Paul Turner. I hate this man with a fucking passion. Paul Turner sucks. Rick Knox sucks. These men should not see the light of day in 2024. These men should be unemployed. Good Lord. Oh, man. God. Sky. Sky Blue hit Chris Statlander with an avalanche cold blue off the top rope. She pins Chris Statlander thanks to Julia Hart. So the TBS champion Chris Statlander got pinned for no reason at all no rating at all nonsense was this match sky blue did not need to beat chris statlander i don't care if julia hart is tbs champ oh excuse me julia hart's tbs champion why did i say chris statlander is tbs champion what the fuck (laughs) she's not tbs champion julia hart is my god my bad sorry uh, it's just that the show's pissing me the fuck off. This is all nonsense. All of it. Every last fucking one of it. Nonsense. Abaddon came out. Willow Nightingale came out. Willow Nightingale hasn't been on fucking TV in two months. And now she shows up magically out of nowhere. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. To, I'm done with this women's division. I've, I've given up. I've given up. Renee Capet. <clears throat> Renee backstage with Ruby Soho and Soraya. Soraya asked uh, Ruby Soho, how does she feel fighting Marina Shafir on Rampage on Friday? I'm not. Nobody watched that and nobody cared about that match at all. Also, Ruby Soho won, so that's all you need to know. 
Soraya says, I'm really excited for you, but I can't keep this in. I'm so sorry, Ruby. I know your birthday is next month, it's next month, and I've been giving you so many gifts. Well, Soraya has decided to give a um, a present for Ruby Soho. It's Harley Cameron with a fucking knife. I'm not making this up. Harley Cameron pulled out a knife. I'm not making this up. She pulled out a knife. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to go on an entire rant about this shit. Harley Cameron is not a wrestler. Harley Cameron is a valet for QTV. And then QT Marshall got fired. Harley Cameron is a um, an aide of some sort to Ruby Soho. And, then, and the first thing she did was pull a knife out, a real legitimate knife, out of her back and showed it on live national television. It wasn't supposed to be funny. It wasn't supposed to be something where people laughed at it and stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, this was one of the worst fucking segments of all time. This solved nothing. I don't care how Harley Cameron looks. She needs to get off my fucking television right away expeditiously before I have a mental fucking breakdown like I already am right now. This woman needs to go away. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And now we got to go to this fucking main event. MGF and Samoa Joe versus the Devil's Max Men for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Samoa Joe, before the match, got attacked by the Devil's Max Men backstage. So Samoa Joe is out of the picture. MJF then decides, hey, I'm going to take on these two men by myself. MJF versus the Devil's Max Men, two-on-one handicap match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles with no fucking any kind of sense whatsoever. And this is this was the main event of this show. This was the main event of this fucking piece of shit AEW Dynamite MJF beat up the Max Men and then when they went outside MJF then got attacked by another man who held a pipe apparently he was underneath the ring he attacked MJF with his lead pipe behind the referee's back your referee for this match was Bryce Revsberg Bryce Revsberg is the worst referee in the history of western civilization I can't stand this man this man didn't even turn around. Man didn't even focus on the match. He wasn't even paying a fucking attention. AEW referees are fucking awful. How can you, how can y'all sleep at night knowing AEW's referees are this bad? How? The Devil's Max men then attack MJF. And then... One of the Devil Max men hit MJF's finisher, the Heat Seeker, the apron pal driver thing that he does. The Devil's Max men pinned the AEW World Champion clean. And the Devil's Max men are the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. And then they attack MJF some more. All four men attack MJF. Samoa Joe runs down on one leg, limping down to the ring in a steel chair. All of the Devil's Max men run away. And, um... That's that. So the Devil's Max Men are being taken care of by Samoa Joe. And then a, um, a video message 
plays on the screen of the of, of another man in the devil mask. He says, "Pleasure doing business with you, MJF." Ooh, and then Samoa Joe hit MJF in the back with a steel chair. So Samoa Joe is back to being a heel now. What the fuck was this shit the whole time? And then the commentary, and then commentary asks this question. They said they asked if Samoa Joe has been working with the devil this whole time, and then Samoa Joe was walking fine. He, uh, apparently, he faked the injury, and um, yeah, I don't know. So they're they're teasing Samoa Joe being the leader of the devil thing, and um, they have you know all these men. But I don't think I don't I don't see a reason why Samoa Joe should have a faction. Especially in AEW. I don't know. I've already have ranted about this for fucking ages now. I'm not even going to talk about this no more. This entire main event, no rating. Matter of fact, I don't even think it deserves a no rating. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to introduce the first ever negative rating for this goddamn match. Ladies and gentlemen, MJF versus the Devil's Max Men. Negative one. Logic, negative one. Fuck off with this match, and fuck off with this show. That's the end of the roundup, everybody. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done for the rest of the night. The AEW right now is, is at a sinking ship right now. I, how can anyone defend this shit? I genuinely want to know, how in the flying blue fuck can anyone defend this fucking garbage that I'm witnessing on live national television? And no wonder AEW has been getting 750,000 viewers. They're not even reaching a million viewers. And normally I don't care about that shit, but it's... This had a fucking awful main event. Swear Strickland didn't win a match. Reho being booked like almost fucking like Bianca Belair now. What the fuck is going on with this fucking AEW booking? I don't know. We'll see you guys for World's End next week. And on behalf of Cabo, I'm Ben Charles. See y'all next week. So long. God's sakes.